that truth is a pathless land, which is my favorite Krishnamurti quote, mm. quote um, that we're all on a journey there. And it doesn't matter what, find your way in, whatever it is. That was Desiree Cervantes, and this is episode 35 of the Soul of Sensitivity podcast. I'm your host, Anna Holden. I'm a professional intuitive and energy healer. I help highly sensitive people dig into the shadows of their soul to access their gifts, reclaim their purpose, and get intimate with their ultimate truth. This is season two, and in it, we're exploring healers, specifically how they got here, how they do their healing magic, and the beliefs they have that guide them forward. We're also taking a peek at the specific practices they have in place to keep themselves healthy, Let's face it, being a badass in a sensitive body is no joke, and the healers I interview share their strategies for staying healthy while healing the world. This is the soul of sensitivity. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the show. I am really excited to share a super fun conversation that I had with Desiree Cervantes of Spirit Fire Shaman. She is a truly magical creature, somebody who walks through the dark with just amazing um, poise and amusement. And our conversation was so much fun. We talked about how we do our intuitive work, how that shows up for us. We talk about shape-shifting magic and particularly um, giving ourselves permission to try on different terms and different identities, trying on titles. We dig into the magic of profanity and how that can help really change the culture that we're in. Um, We go pretty deep. It was really, really fun. So that is coming up in just a minute. And I think that why I'm so excited about this conversation is that incorporating magic into our daily lives as highly sensitive people and as people who kind of see beyond the veil is really important. And it's also really important then to question our conditioning around what we consider magic. And the part of the conversation that we had around magic and profanity really got me thinking about some of the uh, more, what I would have considered kind of the more mundane magical elements in my life. So for example, there was a couple years ago where if you were following me on Facebook or Instagram, you would see that I was just drawing mandalas like crazy. There, I couldn't put pen and paper down. Like I just was always creating. My dreams started changing and it just became clear that the the drawing, the mandala, like I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't consider myself an artist. I'm not great at drawing. I didn't, you know, try, it wasn't as much as an art form as it was a form, an outward form of expression of something, something magical taking place within me. And so sometimes we can be drawn to creative practices um, or to little things that may not seem magical, um, but are actually part of how we in human bodies process the magic of the world. Another example that I have right now is that I totally got hooked into (laughs) buying 
You know how when you're on Instagram or sometimes on Facebook, these like ads come up and of course they're perfect for you. I totally, um, I mean, I shouldn't say fell for one, but I totally fell for one and I bought this lettering journal. So it's a journal to um, be to help you write a beautiful, like do beautiful lettering, you know, kind of like modern day calligraphy, except it's not calligraphy. It's just lettering with markers or pens. And I kind of bought it on a whim, thinking like, oh, this, this would be kind of fun. My birthday's coming up. This can be my, you know, my little gift to myself. I cannot put it down. It's ridiculous. Like, it's one of those things that I thought would be just kind of silly and I probably wouldn't actually have time for it because I have a two-year-old. But like, as soon as my two-year-old goes to bed, I pull out my lettering. As soon as like I'm sitting down for breakfast, I pull out my lettering. And it's becoming clear to me that there that this is um, an outward expression of some internal creative channels being opened, and I'm not I don't have clarity yet on what um, on on how these channels are going to affect my work. Like I'm getting snippets of how these creative channels are maybe going to affect my work or my family, but for now I just need an outlet for these creative channels. And there's something really satisfying to me about putting ink to paper and about making these beautiful um, you know this these beautiful letters with my um, with my pen and so I just want to say hello to the fact that you may be practicing magic and you may um, not consider it to be magic and part of what we talk about today is giving ourselves permission just I'm just period, giving ourselves permission to have more. (sighs) Deep breath there. Before I get into the interview, I want to thank all of my patrons. I realize I forgot to do that in my last, um, my last introduction. So I'm sorry about that. Thank you everyone who supports this podcast. Seriously, I literally could not do it without you. I literally could not set the time aside to have these interesting conversations if it weren't for your support. So thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart for those of you who support on a monthly basis and for those of you who have taken time to rate this podcast or review it on iTunes or your favorite app. That helps a ton. The more people who see this podcast, the more people who listen, the more people who support it, the more likely that I will be able to continue it, right? So thank you for that. Another reminder, my spiritual hygiene class is gearing up. It is open for enrollment right now for two dates. In person, Sunday, January 13th in Seattle, at the Seattle Sound Temple. That's our beautiful venue for the day. And then also online. So if you don't live in Seattle, um, your online version is Saturday, February 9th from 9 to 3. So both of these days are kind of intensive days. Um, And spiritual hygiene is the prerequisite class to everything else that I teach. Now, if you have a spiritual background, you might be like, yeah, well, I, I know those tools. 
awesome. This class will be easy for you. And if you're kind of newly coming into your sensitivity, um, looking for a way to better understand and utilize your empathic gifts, or just feel like you're interested in diving into um, diving into yourself a little bit more, getting to understand how you work as a spirit. You know, you might understand um, or have some sort of knowing of how your body works, but this is how the 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 bones of this class is how. What are the mechanics of your spirit? How does it work? And how do you? How can you start to have more autonomy, more authority? Um, in this. So you'll hear today, uh, even in class, um, Desiree preparing for her sessions and in sessions being kind of like this hollow read so that she's not taking on anybody else's energy. Well, I don't know about you, but when I used to try that, it it didn't work, (laughs) you know, and if you're trying that and your intention is strong enough that that's working, awesome. But what this class helps you do is actually sit and practice um, using visualization techniques that actually start to affect your energy system. So you'll learn to get grounded and get um, separated from everyone. You'll learn to jump into that clairvoyant space that Desiree and I talk about that where she talks about they kind of come into the center of my head. We talk about how to actually occupy that space and clear it and prepare it in preparation for creating what you want to create or for, you know, later on looking clairvoyantly at something. We talk about spiritual protection. We talk about how to neutrally give communication or say hello to somebody else when we want to give, but we don't want to put our energy into giving, right? You know, sometimes when when those of us who are highly sensitive are like, oh, I'm going to give, we just give it all away. So we, we, we're really practicing boundaries. And, you know, some of the most profound things that come out of this class um, are, are simple things that are profound. So simply working with our energy systems can make it easier for us to say no to things we don't really want to do. Simply learning to work with our energy systems can make it a lot easier for us to communicate while staying sovereign, not getting triggered, not getting um, pulled into somebody else's drama or feeling like we're taking on all of their stuff. So I would really invite you if this, if any of this calls to you to sign up for the class um, on the, the sales page of the class, there's also an option where you can just, hey, get on the phone with me for 20 minutes and make sure that this is the right class for you. I want to make sure it's a good fit for you. But I would love to have you there. This is the prerequisite class for the School of Sacred Rebellion. This is the kind of the 101 course for any of the other classes that you would like to take from me. If you want to learn to become an aura healer, if you want to learn to be clairvoyant and clairaudient and clairsentient and claircognizant and, and develop all of your clairs, you need to learn these stool these stools. Ha ha ha. You need to learn these tools first. All right, they're going to set you up to to learn all of those things in a really safe and empowered environment. This is my flagship course. I literally developed this course five years ago when all of my new clients, I was like, you need all of these tools. So I put them all into a class and that's why I teach this, not because I, um, you know, pulled it out of thin air one day, but well, I guess I kind of did. No, <laughs> but because this was the need, this was the need that all of my clients had was to be able to be safely in their body, to be able to work through their energy, to make separations from others and to feel really at home within themselves. So if any of that resonates, you can check out the link to the course in this, um, 
in the show notes. I'll make sure to put it there. You can also find it at www.sensitivityuncensored.com forward slash uh uh, oh, wow, I'm going to mess that up because I don't have it right in front of me. But if you go to Sacred Rebellion and click under the School for Sacred Rebellion, you will find um, that first class spiritual hygiene. But just check the show notes for the direct link. I'm going to skip personal news this week because I just recorded the intro to Dina DeCastro's, which you heard last week, her interview, and I would just be repeating myself. So without further ado, I am going to introduce Desiree Cervantes. Desiree is a shaman, intuitive healer, and witch an indigenous femme, modern medicine woman, and mother of two. She is passionate about wild spirituality, radical honesty, and creativity as tools for spiritual healing. Desiree helps wild-hearted souls connect with and reclaim their personal magic through intuitive counseling, clairvoyant readings, practical magic, and mediumship. Connect with her on Instagram at spiritfireshaman and visit www.spiritfireshaman.com. I'd love, I'd love for you to share a little bit more about the intuitive readings you give and, and kind of like, you can take this wherever you want, but kind of like the process that you go through. That's really interesting to me. So let's see, I offer intuitive readings, which I have a disclaimer for, I think people, so, um, so sometimes I work with tarot and oracle cards and sometimes I don't. Mm-hmm. I find that certain readings are better for certain people. So I try to be very, so every reading is different. I will say that every reading that I give is slightly different, similar to like a counseling session. And the disclaimer that comes with my readings are that I always tell the truth in a very direct way and that I hold space with a fierce tenderness which can be really scary for some people Mm -hmm. um like i may say things that you don't want to hear and whatever comes up is what is going to come up that we will talk about and you will probably cry Mm -hmm. (laughs) that means that i'm things are going well that means that they finally have let me in when we get to that moment yeah then that's usually when i discover why are we really here having a conversation yeah. So people will approach me for a reading and we go through some conversation, typically like whether it's like through word of mouth or um, find me through my website. And the whole, as if working as a freelancer consultant, all of those articles and the, about finding your client and who do you want to work with being just as important as who wants to work with you. Like that's been huge for, because I am not the intuitive medium healer for everybody. And right. I don't want to work with every client. So I'm really interested in working with other people who are, typically they're highly sensitive, they're empaths, they already have some, even if they're closeted, some knowledge that they have these abilities. And um, I tend to attract people as well that have a history of trauma um, that has come up quite often sexual trauma, just they're carrying a lot of trauma in their bodies from this lifetime, maybe previous lifetimes from their mm-hmm. parents. So I will say um, some people, if they ask for an Oracle tarot reading, I will use the cards because the 
most I need them to open their energy to me. And some people, they just come and they're ready to rock. Like, let's just completely open. And other people, I don't know, I'm very visual. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes they're like this impenetrable fortress. And I am like, I have to scan. I'm like scanning and probing and figuring out, like it's this sort of shape that I'm trying to get inside of. And then there's a crack somewhere, you know, and other people, there's it's more like layers. And I realize that's so what we're going to need to do is spend a while safely peeling back the layers and then so they feel comfortable yeah um, to share whatever they need to share or ask the real question that they want to ask and a lot of times people don't know exactly why they want a reading they just have some kind of nudge urge i want a reading i want some spiritual guidance um maybe they're i think though at that moment the, the people that i read for tend to be ready for a certain level of truth mm -hmm. that isn't very comfortable Mm -hmm. um, in the sense of like that, I'm not a licensed therapist, mm -hmm. although I'm interested in one day getting, becoming like an MFT possibly. Mm -hmm. I'm interested in therapy. My life is, you know, th as an intuitive healer, like everything we talk about is therapy, yeah. psychology, processing trauma, um, that they are ready to have like a, what I call an intuitive counseling session mm -hmm. where we're going to dig deep and in, I'm holding the space sort of. Mm -hmm grounding out some of their energy. I'm very good with um, grounding out pain, energy, trauma, uh, grief, very, very big emotions that feel very threatening mm -hmm. that you normally don't feel safe talking about, um, even with a therapist that you don't have a relationship with. Like, And so I, a lot of my readings tend to be pretty deep in that sense. Mm -hmm. um, and I've had a number of readings at this point now with other people, other healers, and I'm, I'm uh, really glad to see that they're also all different. Everybody has their own style. Like sometimes I need a specific kind of message from that specific person and maybe only one time and then I can go to another one. So I like, it's sort of like buying, you know, books from the self-help section. Like they all kind of have the same message, just dressed up differently, different titles, different artwork. Um, the message is conveyed in a different way. And so whatever it is, that you need to hear at that moment. I think that's what the universe, so my, my guides guide me, I think, to finding those people. And so I'm trusting that the same thing is happening when people are, and I've had uh, people circling, I guess I would say circling the wagon for sometimes a, a year <laughs> or more. Yep. Um, because they, and I will usually know immediately, like, you want a reading, let's do it. Um, and other times I'll just have some hesitancy and so I'll ask a few more questions. Um, and at that point, they usually, I think, they back off. So then there's this sort of like dance. Mm -hmm. And I remember I, w I had one friend, well, actually she's a friend now, but at the time we were just, we had mutual friends in our community where we lived that inquired about a doing a reading and then didn't actually do a reading with me until about a year or so later. Um, I've had that happen a couple of times, actually, now that mm -hmm. I'm saying that. And so that is not uncommon. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure how... Um, successful that would be as like a business model but i mean that's not really you know what i mean this is just this these are the, the patterns that show up for me yeah. and i do notice that i mean the whole archetype of like the wounded healer mm -hmm. um, i think about that a lot or um maybe another way to reframe that is that i teach what i need to learn um so every time and i feel that it's every time this happens i think like well played universe um, the only way that I would hear this message 
is if I were saying it to somebody else and sometimes the words are coming out of my mouth and I'm like, my guys are just laughing like hysterically because I'm so, you know, such a silly human. Like I'm so, I struggle so much with my own ego and I'm in my way all of the time. And the only way <laughs> that I'm going to hear this is if I'm telling it to somebody else. You know, I feel the exact same way. You know, I was, I was thinking about this um, when I was coming kind of out of a burnout period, just from like overworking and everything. And, and my, the readings that I gave, that I give never feel like work because it's like, as I'm working and reading and healing someone else, I'm getting messages. It's like my self-care time almost, you know, it's this like really, really lovely space. Um, and I, I love what you said about, you know, having your own style and everyone has their own style. I mean, that's, the, the world needs more healers and particularly for this reason, because, you know, everyone on some level needs some sort of guidance, you know, whether it's from me or from you or from someone else. And so we all need like, you know, all the flavors, we need all the flavors, <laughs> right? So that we can move forward. Um, the thing that I became curious about is, you know, doing this deep work for yourself. Do you have preparatory techniques? Do you do clearings afterwards? Like what are your actual like strategies um, for keeping yourself healthy as you do this work? So when I do in-person readings, that it requires a lot more preparation I mean, the, the reading may last an hour and a half, and I usually spend an hour before and an hour after. So one reading, really, if it's in person, for uh, that, that really makes a big difference for me. Mm -hmm. So my personal practices around that are just self-care for my body. Mm -hmm. um, so not, some of them aren't very magical, and, or maybe they're more practical magic than they are uh, higher, higher magic. Um, I need to eat breakfast. I need to make sure that I'm comfortable wearing comfortable clothing. I need to make sure that all the doors and windows are closed. Things that would distract me, I need to make sure I've set up my environment so that I am able to really focus on that person. Mm -hmm. um, I usually I will do readings sometimes if it's a friend in my home, and that is where I feel most comfortable because I have all of my magical tools and all of my protections already set up in place, um, and you know my various. You know, I also, I also identify as a witch. I mean, a shaman, healer, witch, lots of different words that I have all of my implements that make me feel safe and grounded. So mm -hmm. it's a good space for that. I, when I do readings, sometimes like at a, a coffee shop or in a public setting, that is trickier. Um, so I'll talk about my process there. But at home, I have my protections set all the time. Like I always say that this I live in an apartment, a small apartment with my kids at the moment um, that has more protections than Hogwarts. <laughs> I mean, everywhere you look, and it's, it's, some of it's intentional and some of it's not, but I'm always calling my power back to me and I'm constantly scanning my environment. And so as a preparation just for my day, but also for reading, I'm inviting any energy that doesn't belong to me, that is not in my highest good to leave my space. I'm calling in my ancestors and guides to be present um, and I do some of this intuitively. So depending on who I'm reading for, the reading often starts before they even arrive. Mm -hmm. um, not with everyone, but with a lot of people. And I'll start to get, I'll start to hear things, see things. Um, certain, I feel like certain ancestors will show up or certain of their guides will start chatting with my guides. Like there's just, you know, chatter. Some, <laughs> chatter, some chatter. Yep. And so I kind of just move through my space and I'll often anoint a candle with some um, I have a, my babysitter, actually, she's a 
a hoodoo witch, which is so, she's so amazing in so many ways. She makes these oils and she's very traditionally trained like a New Orleans style. So I, she has, I've got some ancestor oil, which I usually anoint a candle with, and that makes me feel protected. So I guess in terms of protection, that's what I'm doing for myself. Um, and I'm holding the intention, something I'm practicing as an empath, so I'm not absorbing. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. not taking, taking what you, yeah. what energy you have, sucking it into my body. Um, I am holding the intention of being a hollow bone uh, or the conduit, a channel as a, um, is it, the hollow bone is like a native uh, reference. I've heard it described in that way, but I think most cultures or belief systems would have some similar, like I'm a facilitator. I'm holding space. I'm helping move energy uh, from spirit, you know, and from this, from the person to, you know, I'm, I'm just, that's my role. I mean, they're going to heal themselves. So yes. uh, oh, I, I don't heal them. Yes. I just love that. That's, that's actually the same way I work. I get goosebumps when you say that. Yeah. This, it's, it's like this like deep magic of holding space and facilitating. It's like so gorgeous. I love that. I love that. Um, <sighs> the other thing, sometimes traditionally I'll do like, this is rare, but I'll, you know, I have salt. Sometimes I feel called to use salt and like to cast a protective circle. Um, I, I do most of this with visualization, but if I'm at home and I have the things, you know, I'll have, I have the salt, I'll have different stones that I'll bring out that feel more protective to me. Or sometimes uh, it's as like an intuitive suggestion that these are the stones that they may need. So I try not to think too hard about it. I just, I'm like, can be very absent-minded sort of walking around, oh, I like this, I like that. I'm like, oh, I feel attracted to touch this. Um, I'll pick certain decks and I'll just have them on the table. And we may or may not use them. Um, I do say I use Palo Santo and Sage to cleanse my space um, because I like I like the smell of it, and I think it does really settle the energy, um, and it creates sort of like a calming environment for them to walk into, similar to like going to get a massage or, you know, your therapist office. You want it to feel relaxed, so I'm trying to create that space for myself and for them. Um, I think because I feel that I have a pretty good vetting process when it comes to do, who I read for, like mm-hmm. I'm trust the universe seems to have my back, my guides have my back on getting people that are ready to, to dig deep and do their work. Um, I feel pretty safe. Like I don't um, need, to, I don't feel the need to wear like protective uh, charms. Although sometimes I will wear certain stones on my body mm-hmm. um, or I'll wear necklaces with certain symbols. Like I love, the pentacle um, mm-hmm. I always have. And it just is, and that was, I mean, just for the calling in of the, the five directions, mm-hmm. you know, the elements of earth and then spirit. Mm-hmm. So I work a lot with elements. Uh, and so when I am out in public, uh, in a public place and I have less control over what's happening, I work with fire a lot. And mm-hmm. that is my element. Not, I'm actually a Capricorn, so I guess my, my true element would be earth. Um, but fire is my primary go-to, like, you know, I resonate a lot with dark goddesses and, um, like thunder and lightning and just very intense, like lava. So I will use a ring of fire, which I love because I love Americana bluegrass. And so that I'm hearing Johnny Cash sing, you know, the burning of the fire. <laughs> ah, that's awesome. I love it. Part of the way I'm casting my circle and everybody, I'm like, basically like, fuck off everyone else. <laughs> I'm creating invisibility cloak. Yeah. Um, and that usually works pretty effectively. So I set like a, you know, a boundary of protection. I did a reading for a friend at a coffee shop recently and she's very well known in the community. So people constantly approaching her 
to say hi. And I just needed that not to happen. And so, and it was, you know, there weren't a lot of people there where we were kind of tucked away, but nobody came over and like one person like tentatively approached to borrow a chair, but I could, they could feel that there was like some strong back off energy. So I, I usually do that in order to create, because otherwise I can't focus. And if I can't focus and I am not able to hold the space that I need to like create the channel, I guess, you know, anchor myself into yours so that they feel comfortable releasing whatever intensity of emotion yeah. that they're feeling. And it's usually pretty intense. Like that seems to be my jam. Um, I'm good with the, you know, it's, it, it feels, what I mean is it feels very scary to them. And usually it's just very human. It's not, yep. to them it feels like, oh, the ends of the earth kind of apocalyptic emotions. Like I, you know, that that's how they're experiencing it. But you, really it's just, human everyday thing like sadness and yeah. grief and loss and aging and uncertainty so i like that is very comforting for me actually now that i'm saying that because i have that too like everything feels so much bigger and louder for me and then i realize like oh these are just this is what it means to be a human and alive mm -hmm. um, yeah I'm not doing it you know, and I just love that you say that. I think that's, that's, well, that's partly why I was so attracted to you. So um, I found you on Instagram and I've just been like fangirling you um, because I just love, I like it, it, it's, I'm really attracted to people who are not afraid to walk through the dark, you know, because that's something that I do in my work too, is like this, there's this like a lot of walking in the dark through dark emotions, through trauma, through things like that. And I can hold, I can hold all of that. And it's, it, you know, it's challenging to find people who can hold that and be comfortable holding all of that. And I think that's part of, I think that's something that I could kind of just sense from, you know, what you project out in the world. It's just this lovely, like, hold my hand, I'll take you through the dark, like, cause I can do that. Let's walk yeah. through the fire together. Yep, let's do it. I love that. And I love what you said about the invisibility cloak. I so do that. But like when I'm grocery shopping, I'm like, nobody yes. talk to me. Like I'm invisible. <laughs> it's a really fun game to play. Um, you know, something that I wanted to, to talk a little bit about, a little bit of a shifting gears here are titles. So before we kind of hit record, we were talking about like, do we use the word intuitive? Do I use the word psychic? Am I shaman? Am I... Like, this is something that I have struggled with in my business. Um, you know, just like, what do I call myself? And I, and I change it all the time. Like all of my business cards, every iteration is like a new title because words have power, you know, and there's so much meaning behind them. And I think that in our, for me, at least I sense that like, you know, in the past lives, I was in my past lives, I was really um, punished. For, for a lot of these titles. Mm -hmm. And so I think that using these titles can be scary. So do you want to talk about kind of where are you in the, the evolution of your, your titles, what you call yourself? Yeah, so I've experienced a very similar struggle. And also I believe that words have such tremendous power. Um, and like to the extent that sometimes guides will show up for me and they don't speak verbally. And I trust them immediately because they don't use like words they don't speak verbally. They'll talk with their hands in other ways. And so there's a big thing for me about, and also past life stuff, yeah. So it's a huge deal. Um, and to me, I also wanna, I don't wanna forget to talk about the bit, it has to do with shape-shifting. Mm. Um, and that, that's also like a native 
kind of magic that I have always just believed in, but and it's often used for in reference to shape-shifting with animal energy. Mm. But I feel like in our modern world, one of the ways that I've experienced people and myself using shape-shifting is by assuming different identities or trying out these different labels. Mm, um, I love that. And I think that's really interesting. For me, that was, it resonated like, it was a reframe around, oh, I can't make it in my mind. I'm this one day and I'm that one day. And in the, in the queer community, so I'm recently out as a queer woman, an indigenous queer femme witch, all these things. Um, I love the, I'm learning a lot about the ways that people identify. And I like, I use the word label. Sometimes people aren't even comfortable with the word label because that seems like a judgment word. Um, some I or could use story as a different kind of word to stand in for that. Um, how do you identify? And some people care a lot about how they identify and what and how they want, like even the pronouns, the, so anyways, it's funny. So like I'm, and I'm bringing that because I received, the education I received in talking with my queer friends and family, um, asking them, being able to ask like, what does this mean to you? Would you identify as this? Does that explain, you know, asking questions? That has been really, really helpful. Ah. And made me realize that there are, there's a spectrum. And if you, it's okay, wherever you land on that spectrum and that every day, every moment, it could be different. And that doesn't mean that something is wrong with me or you. And I really like that. So I really have seen that shown up, show up a lot with people are and gender neutral, non-binary. Like today, I feel like presenting more as femme tomorrow. I'm more masculine or, I mean, it doesn't matter where I choose to land. Uh, it is all okay. And you, the invitation is that you accept that uncertainty. And usually the problem is that people are very triggered by that, not knowing, which has nothing to do with the person, but other people's response to them. So that's the whole thing has been very interesting. At any rate, sorry, I didn't want to digress, but when I was 18, I heard a very clear call from my guides. I think that's the first time I can remember really identifying them as, oh, my guides are speaking to me. Um, uh, to be that I was going to be a shaman, that I was a shaman, I was a baby shaman, a shaman in training. I remember this uh, very clearly and I didn't, it freaked me out. And so I think for at least 10, maybe 15 years, I didn't do anything except sit with this terrifying awareness of this word and it wouldn't go away. So I didn't identify, I mean, probably in the last three to five years, I, I very open about the language that I use and specifically boldly claiming titles and labels and that's part of my reclaiming my magic and giving myself permission uh, i'm apprenticing with spirits and that taking my power back meant nobody's going to come along and give me permission and tell me oh now you have the credentials to identify as a witch um i self-identified as an empath that seemed more acceptable to most people. They understood the concept of it. They could understand empathy. It wasn't a new word, which I love that word. And I started using that next because not to unsettle people, but that's always like an added benefit for me um, as sort of the trickster, <laughs> you know, I love shifting energy in a way that is uncomfortable, like th thunder and lightning sort of. Um, it felt very true. It resonated very truly, I feel like in past lives. I most definitely was a witch and was punished for that. And what does that even really mean, that word? Like, I really want to normalize that word. Mm -hmm. um, it is the, the origins of the word, I mean, one of the uh, translations is wise woman. I mean, 
who doesn't want to be a wise woman? And so by that definition to me, all women are witches or could be witches if they chose to identify as that, but it's just been so demonized. And uh, I am in my own way as like a rising feminist waking up to my, you know, taking all my power back and waking up uh, became very important to me to boldly use some of these languages that people flinch when they hear it. Like intuitive healer, I softer and I like that. And people understand what it means when I say witch, they are, you know, imagining possibly like conjuring and I'm, I mean, and I'm sure that in your business, you get all, I mean, sometimes the requests that I get from people are, there should be a book. It's kind of like, you know, they have those books about like Tinder dating that in the intuitive healer, psychic medium world, like the things that people ask are, you know, so and I am not a priest. I don't, I work with demons or dense dark energy. That's not my line of work. There are people out there for that, but I get tons of people asking me like, will you, I'm possessed by something. Can you remove it? <laughs> like I have a splinter. Yeah, I just, yeah, that's, <laughs> I know. I, yeah, I, no, I know, oh I know. And it's funny. It's funny. I mean, I have my own take on things like that. I see it as like much more mundane actually than, than even um, that. But I, I, I just, I really love what you're saying. You know, um, I, like I said, I have struggled with this. I still, I just love what you're saying around the shape-shifting being a reframe. That gives, you're right, just that, that reframe gives so much permission. I'm, I'm totally going to take that idea because, yeah, I've been playing around, particularly like where I've been like kind of practicing this is on Instagram and labeling things as witch. And um, that's a word that I felt I identified really strongly with as um in my early twenties, when I really started working with spirit and working with um, intuition and, and energy work and, and all of that. And then I've, you know, I think that uh, some of my, I have some stories and some work to do around, um, uh, you know, kind of what's like good and proper kind of a thing, you know, and then also as a white woman, I'm trying to be careful not to step on toes and appropriate. And so I'm trying to um, just be really intentional about, um, you know, for me, the, the, the labels that I use that could be seen as trying to appropriate, um, appropriate another culture. Um, but I know that through my ancestry, there are um, a lot of uh, ancient, more pagan um, and witch-like traditions um, from uh, uh, Britain, Ireland, um, and Wales, and the places where I'm... I mean, those are shamanistic cultures, and I, mm -hmm. um, I encircle at least virtually, or uh, I circle, I have a spiritual community as an empath. Being able to do that over distance has been a, such a huge benefit, because I am very solitary, um, and a lot of women there, you know, th there is some diversity, but there's a lot of white women or white presenting women that are very, con so I have, I'm having this conversation, I'm curious, I'm learning still about how do I want to identify as an indigenous woman and how angry am I? You know, there's always that question and then how angry should I be? And <laughs> the, the white women that I interact with not wanting to appropriate, but feeling very strong calls intuitively being guided to follow specific paths and then just being terrified of call-out culture and I get it um like mm -hmm. that is real so you make one misstep and you know the mud starts slinging um and I think intention is very important so I mean there are people I observe that are not intentional about it and it's irritating to me 
as a human and also I'm taking a look at, I mean, I'm brown, I'm a brown woman, I'm indigenous, I'm now identifying as a person of color. Like I, that was something I knew I could do. Like it, it just, my, my mindset has really shifted a lot in the past couple of years. I'm learning a lot. Um, but shaman is a word that is a real trigger. It's been a trigger for me and it's, it won't go away. And I keep trying to make it go away, I guess, or avoid it. I keep trying <laughs> to avoid it. Because the voice in my set, like the voice in of my inner critic is like, who the fuck do I think I am to call myself that? Mm-hmm. And I'm over here saying like, I really don't want to, but my guides have never been more clear with me on anything. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's never been like, that is the fiercest, like hardest line that they have drawn with me. Like, no, over and over and over again. And we have this conversation sometimes it's like daily. That is the word. So I have some sort of lesson in this life around claiming it, owning it, and being brave and walking the path regardless of what kind of training I've had or uh, for me, the, some of the grief has been around not being very cut off from my ancestors and lots of trauma occurring so that a lot didn't get handed down and on purpose because being white or, you know, was the acceptable way to pass through life. So I, I'm missing that lineage, right, of things being handed down even verbally or the storals, the oral traditions, the practices, I'm having to remember all of this. And this is not just my story, but everyone that I know right now actually is like, we're sort of like so disconnected from our our ancestors and our roots. And then yet having this huge awakening, like these huge nudges that cannot be ignored. Like you're a priestess, you're a shaman, you're a, uh, you know what, a witch. And then sitting with a very uncomfortable awareness and then not really knowing, okay, is, uh, you have to give so that's my big thing is like you give yourself permission yeah and that's fucking terrifying yes it's terrifying <laughs> it is you know i have to say though of of all of the words and all of the people you know miriam greenspan in in her book healing through the dark emotions she talks about the edit um edament wait i can't say the word but the the the, the roots of the word shaman she talks about like the yeah, she talks about like the Latin word that it comes from. And I, I, don't, I don't remember the Latin, but she says that shaman actually means to see in the dark. And of all of the people, Desiree, like, you know, we were just talking about this. I mean, like, I can totally understand why your guides are shoving this at you because this is something that you do. I mean, what a lovely fit. It's been um, extremely firm. So yeah. I, I have that on my business card now. Um, yeah. I, I think it's shaman intuitive healer witch yeah and I love handing that to people because some of the some take issue with all of it some are like oh I didn't know that witch was a job title and I'm like it is for me um mm-hmm. yep exactly and also I wanted and then I have a moment where I'm like you know if you can call yourself whatever you want it yeah. really doesn't matter like I don't know how important like the words are helpful and the, the titles are helpful until they're not so it's a constant dance like I might wake up one day and feel like oh this you know is too restrictive identifying as an intuitive healer it's not enough I'm at that point actually so now I'm uh, has I'm, I'm resisting but I'm listening to the guidance that um psychic psychic medium clairvoyant yeah. medium and I'm just like oh my god I can't even imagine like I'm trying to imagine p- putting that on a business card and I didn't realize how much baggage I have around that Mm-hmm. because that's that's what I'm doing but then I see like r- signs and windows you know those neon signs where you go and get like a psychic reading I know oh my gosh yes I have the same reaction oh. 
And I'm like, oh my God, because I don't take those people seriously. And, um, but then there's, right, so there's always like, the, in any, I guess, industry, there's always like light and dark, right? Or people that, you know, there's gonna be some like, I have my personal opinion, like that this is, you know, like you, you got your license to wed people, uh, you know, on the internet versus like, you know what I mean? There's just so do, many yeah. different, like they're snake oil sellers and yeah. people who are treating it not as a sacred practice. And I don't appreciate that. I think it gives the rest of what we do a bad name. But also yeah. I think maybe what I'm hearing is that I'm giving too much power to it because most people that I know, whether they claim in, to be intuitive or not, can tell the difference. Mm-hmm. They feel in their body. So I think I'm, I was, I'm worried about how I will be perceived. Mm-hmm. And also I think that um, I have a past life fear of being institutionalized. Well, burned at the stake, that happened. And then yeah. also institutionalized for being insane or crazy. Mm-hmm. And so that I believe is my specific barrier to the word psychic medium. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, all psychic gifts. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and I just, I resonate with that so much because I was looking at, I, I make got these beautiful new business cards, made them with like, there's this gold embossing, like they're gorgeous. And then I looked at the title that I put on and I put like intuitive consultant and I'm like, oh, what is that? Like, what even is that? You know? And I, I, I feel similarly to you. Like I've been starting to hear the, the term priestess and I'm kind of like, uh, I don't, yeah, I, I don't, I'm not sure. Come on guys. You know, like, <laughs> So, well, yeah, but I love, I love that this can be an evolution, you know, that this can be a shape shift and we're allowed, uh, yeah, we're allowed that we allow ourselves, yeah. uh, but yeah, we're allowed. And I didn't yeah. know that nobody told me that. And I realized finally that no one was going to tell me that Yeah, because exactly. I guess the voice of the patriarchy, because everything for me is about the patriarchy these days, I know. that sort of, you know, follow the rules, follow the in, step in line nobody's coming along to tell you that it's okay to be radical in any way um and i knew that logically like i you know if i thought about it like yeah that never happens but then in my own personal practice i was like okay i get it finally this is part of the lesson apparently in this life for myself as a healer and for so many people that i know that the biggest hurdle in taking your power back is claiming claiming your magic yeah remembering your magic reclaiming your power and then you get to decide what do you want to call yourself? Um, and try on, it's like trying on different clothes. You've got to try on different things for size. Because I have, uh, like, I also like to throw around um, the title witch doctor. Because it just it evokes something very specific for people. You know, there's, mm-hmm. I'm not, I have no training in voodoo. Um, I am not, I'm very interested in Santeria. But I, I do not have any official training or even connection that I know of in my, uh, my family line. <clears throat> and... But I love this, this word, the witch doctor. Um, and my dad, I, I told this story, I think, in a different, I did another interview recently, but he, I wanted to do as like an 18-year-old some kind of intuitive healing certi- certification course. And it was, I think, essential oils. And, you know, it was very, uh, nothing really very serious. It was like holistic healing, uh, like for body wellness. And I asked if he would contribute to the cost of whatever it was. And then he his response was, I'm not going to pay for my daughter to become a witch doctor. And when he said that, I was like, and so that made it, that stuck with me. And so sometimes I tell people I'm a professional witch doctor. And that's my, <laughs> my goal. <laughs> my life goal is to be a professional witch doctor. Like Mama Odie, I don't know if you've seen that movie. 
uh, I think it's Princess and the Frog. Um, it's it's a cartoon and it's it's in New Orleans and it's like um, awesome. It, it, I think you would appreciate it, but it's got a lot of like New Orleans voodoo references and Mama Odie is like a high priestess. Actually, my awesome. sister saw that movie and she's like, "You just remind me of this Mama Odie character. <laughs> she's blind and she's you know a priestess and she lives in the swamp and she's a witch doctor and you got to really work hard to find her. But when you do, then she'll help you. Like she's very magical. Yeah. Awesome. So I love that word. Um, yeah. Priestess is a word that I've had trouble with because it feels like it's very uh, responsible word. <laughs> yeah. I'm nervous, like chief. <laughs> I don't. I'm yeah. Like, oh, I don't want. I'm a hermit. I'm the crazy witch yeah. doctor. Like I'm the shaman who lives in the cave in deep in the woods. And you got to really work hard to seek me out. And once you do, like we're going to get to business. But I am not trying to be that accessible. Mm -hmm. So priestess felt very. Um, like poised and long flowing white robes and I'm going to do a lot of ritual and ceremony. I'm trying to reframe that because I am in, I'm participating in a priestess training program. Um, there's a woman named Vanessa Sage and she has Sage Priestess Certification Training. I went through it last year. It was very soft, gentle, tender space to start spiritual community and you didn't have to identify as a priestess or, you know, part of the first year was figuring out like, is that even a comfortable now I'm comfortable with it. Like I wouldn't lead with it, but I see now what modern priestessing is or how to priestess yourself. And that that is like, I was also very uncomfortable with the term goddess. Mm. I still am. Although, I mean, in my mind, like I might give someone a compliment and say, you look like a goddess, but um, that's a real deity. So I don't tend to, you know, use yeah. it to, I would never call myself yeah. that. And some people I do. I mean, <clears throat> yeah energy healer is another um term that i kicked around for a while because what does that even mean really i mean it's all everything is energy so intuitive healing could be energy healing although it when i think energy healing i think like people doing hands-on anyways i have tried a million titles I know I'm the same way. There's so much, but you know, I want to shift gears a little bit because something that you said in there um, reminded me of another thing that we had um, kind of talked about in our, in our back and forth email, but you said that you're really interested in the intersection of the sacred and the profane. And I think that what um, kind of wanted to make me go here is that you were, uh, you know, talking about that nobody's going to tell you, nobody's going to give you permission. The patriarchy is not going to give you permission. And so there's actually something even a little bit profane about giving yourself permission. You know, there's something like really, really rebellious. And I think that, I mean, I kind of see um, our work as healers or whatever title we're going to put on it, like our work right now is I think we need to combine the sacred and the profane because we have to shake things up, right? We have to like wake, help wake all of us up and shake all of this stuff up. But that's kind of where I take that is, is, you know, combining those two things. And yeah, you know, how you talked about the, the priestess sounded too formal in robes and, you know, um, like, like too, like almost um, too formal for the profane or something. But I'm curious kind of what, where, what you are doing right now in this like intersection of the sacred and profane and how you're thinking about it. So I'm always interested in holding that balance. Like I think that if I had a mantra, it would be around living every moment in some kind of a balance with the sacred and profane. 
which I recognize is sort of being like a thorn in most people's side or um, like I, I'm specifically uh, devil's advocate, maybe another way to describe that, um, to shake things up. Like I'm very interested in, in that because I, I don't want to be bored. So there's that, like I have a natural attraction to not being bored. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I like to shake things up. I'm also attracted to fire and thunder and lightning as elements. Um, and I loved play. Um, I, I personally have practices around play with myself, with my kids, with like flow arts, it, being playful, mm -hmm. having a good sense of humor as a way of shifting energy as yes. a form of medicine. Yes. And so, and the, the word profanity, like I can tell you just aside from like the magical work that I do, um, I went on some kind of, it was a couple of years ago, but I was like, I'm going to one woman movement to normalize the, the word fuck. I mean, I don't know. And so I work in a very uh, pretty conservative nonprofit organization. They're very nurturing and tolerant. But I mean, I just would, I was, and we're not allowed to cuss. So I would be working this word into a sentence as often as possible throughout the day. <laughs> and it didn't work. Like it didn't catch on. And eventually I got bored of doing it. <laughs> Oh, you crack me up. That's amazing. But it was fun, right? And so also I am, you know, I'm very interested in things that are sacred. I'm a spiritual seeker, deep thinker. Everything is about healing for me. I care about the higher self. Primarily, that's my interest for anyone that I meet and the way that I, that's a lens that I, that I see the world through. And then also I, I'm a woman who likes to cuss and I have radical ideas and bold opinions. Um, and I am comfortable saying to the world, I'm a witch. So I wanted, for me, marrying the sacred and the profane is that I'm never, and I'm sorry, my, my mother is, she's still alive, but the voice, and she's like crowding in. So I'm finding a lot of <clears throat> women should be a certain way. We should be poised, quiet, helpful, uh, in service to others kind of a thing. And I have been Fuck finding that. that. So <laughs> right. Been, yeah. I mean, not that I, I think it should be reciprocal. I'm interested in reciprocity. Of course. And, it, you know, interdependence, right? And, and responsibility. And like we you share, know. We, I support you, you support me, you know, yeah. in whatever ways that we're able to. Yeah. It's not just flowing. I think, especially as an empath, I take a really big issue with this sort of in service to others because we already are spending so much of our energy, our lives flowing energy out, pulling energy in, in ways that I think most people just cannot comprehend. So I am, I cannot give more and I don't feel like I have any obligation to give more. Nope. Um, and I, I like ideas that people that provoke thoughts and unsettle people in sometimes small or large ways. So this is the sort of trickster medicine that I sometimes will talk about um, as a Lakota term, which is Hayoka, the sacred clown, or mm -hmm. um, I'm laughing and I'm crying that there's always both things are true. Like um, Rumi, the 13th century mystic poet, mm -hmm. I love his writing for this because it's uh, so much paradox and playfulness and just putting things on their head, you know, turning the world upside down. Um, it's kind of a Mad Hatter method, I guess. But I like that because it is very, because um, it, it's been effective healing for me. Like it's, it shifts my mindset. Like I need it. An immediate shift and some people will go for a jog like I need to do something that will introduce a little bit of chaos and to see what happens I love to just see what happens like if I say this I've also discovered and I don't know how I, I, I see this as part of the sort of blending of sacred and profane 
because it really matters what people, uh, how people define what is profane to you, what is bad, what is ugly, what is too visceral to be seen or heard. I'm really interested in uh, sh shining mirrors. Like I want people or light. I want people to see that. Um, we, I feel, and sort of connecting with my animal nature, like this sort of wolf woman, um, that sort of shape-shifting energy, like how, how do we connect with that? Like there's blood and bones and guts and glory. You know, it's just, uh, I love that visceral stuff. And I reject the idea that spirituality can only look one way. I think that's such bullshit. So the uh, meditating on a mountain, I am so at peace. I'm not that I'm knocking that, but like that there are an infinite number of ways to arrive at the truth. That truth is a pathless land, which is my favorite Christian Murday quote. Mm. Quote: um, That we're all on a journey there, and doesn't matter what. Find your way in, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And I just find that people take such great delight in marrying uh, the sacred of the profane. So especially in the queer community, and then the, the with the fairy, the radical fairy groups oh my god i've never seen anything like this i mean circus is one of the other ways maybe i've seen this out in sort of a the muggle world sort of um but like at fairy gatherings you know the, the there are a lot of pagan rituals that are observed and they're not extremely they're not traditional at all i mean there's some traditional components but then also it's very infused with this culture mm -hmm. queer culture fairy culture and i'm still even trying to understand what that means um, let's do it our, our own way. Let's frolic naked. Let's explore and celebrate open sexuality. Let's not believe that uh, being spiritual and creative uh, and an artist uh, can only look one way. Mm -hmm. Let's use, I mean, that is, I think in my mind, the most uh, strong example I can think of of how to marry the sacred and profane. And the mm -hmm. other would be uh, sacred sexuality or like the sacred whore archetype and that's some women i mean and that is not the work that i am going to take up in this lifetime but i see it and um that that is a kind of medicine a kind of healing and like if we call it tantra it's somehow okay but if somebody decides to be a sacred a, sex worker right oh no that's not okay you know right right that's absolutely not like i can be a, a sex coach Mm -hmm. uh, a tantra, you know, what I mean, but so the the language. I mean, again, it just it blows my mind how how much there are smoke and mirrors. Like mm -hmm. <laughs> that people are throwing mm -hmm. up when really I feel like it's all the same thing. So, and I have my own judgments. Like I am not, you know, and so I, I I'm interested though in taking a look at what those are. Absolutely, why does feel ugly to me. Why does that scare me? Um, yeah. Why do I feel judgment for this? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I don't. That is a kind of shadow work. Like I have sometimes played around with the concept of calling myself a shadow worker. <laughs> yeah, I'm hearing the Lord's Prayer, like "Yay, though I walk through the valley." <laughs> I'm like, no, I don't want people to have the impression. <laughs> oh my gosh, that I'm like the green, the green reaper, like ushering people through the valley of darkness. It really isn't like that. Yeah, I, I just it was in opposition to like light only, and so I'll yeah. get so yeah. another thing would be this blending of the sacred and profane that I am, it really is a focus on n not only light. Like I am, I reject also this good vibes only, positive vibes only. I'm a light worker. Um, to me that just, what you're telling me is that you're in denial and you're choosing to be. Uh, because and not every light worker I feel is doing that, but in most cases, 
people are attracted to this because, oh, this feels softer. I don't really need to do any of my own work because I can, as long as nothing triggers me, I'm already done. I'm there. I'm like in my light. Yeah, it's, it's such a, I, I just, I so agree. It's one of my biggest pet peeves. It's such a bypass state, you know, and I think that it really just, it really has the danger of disconnecting us from our humanity. Um, and not only the, the work that we need to do with our emotions and with, you know, but also our ability to hold space and, um, empathize and have compassion for others. Yeah. Well, gosh, I, you know, just listening to you, I'm like, I want a reading from you and I'm sure other people uh, listening do too. So I would love uh, for you to give us some information. Where can people find you? What's available from you right now? So I'm, I'm very active on Instagram primarily as a way of connecting on social media with at Spirit Fire Shaman is my uh, profile name. And I do have an email newsletter, which I am getting into the rhythm of. So um, I'm not, you know, getting into a regular schedule of sending that out. It's called Smoke Signals, which uh, can be subscribed to through my Instagram bio link. Mm -hmm. And on my website, uh, spiritfireshaman.com, I have some background information about me as well as offerings. And most of the, mostly what I'm doing are the intuitive readings and the, and some spiritual guidance sessions or like a deeper dive. Mm -hmm. And so that's probably it. So Instagram really is like, I feel like it's my platform. That's where I'm sharing. It's mostly personal things too. It's just, I mean, they, like shouting into the void. These are things I want to share with other people and maybe they'll resonate or not. Um, would be the, the best way to absorb any information. And as I grow my business, my, my hold, I'm holding an intention that I would have some kind of online offering. Um, I feel like I'm apprenticing. I'm meeting people like you. I am talking asking questions like, how do you, how are you doing this? How are you offering this? How are you packaging things? I'm still uh, discovering all of that. So I'm hoping maybe in the next couple of years to get my ducks in a row on that. But for now, um, I just am enjoying freedom of expression on Instagram. And then I have my email newsletter communications that go out. Well, and your, both your website and your Instagram account are just so beautiful. I really recommend everyone follow you because I just love hearing what you say. And I love the personal stuff. You know, I, I really related to, I relate to the post that you post about being a mom, you know, and I, um, like, I really relate to that. And then working in magic with your kids. And I, anyway, I just love all of that. So, Thank you. Um, so Desiree, what's the, the one thing that you would like our, to leave our listeners with today? What's the one thing you'd like them to know? The word permission, again, is present for me. That give yourself permission to practice magic. And that's it, really. Awesome. Gosh, well, thank you so much for doing this with me today. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you. I really enjoyed speaking with you. Thanks again for listening to The Soul of Sensitivity. Show notes and links from today's episode can be found at www.sensitivityuncensored.com. If you would like to read more about high sensitivity or intuition, sign up for my mailing list, book an intuitive reading with me, or learn more about my membership group, The Refuge for Sacred Rebellion, please visit my website. Again, it's www.sensitivityuncensored.com.